Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are uh, joined on this Independence Day by your usual hosts, Josh Hartley and Ben Porter. Ben, how are we doing? I'm at my wits end. Uh, to be yeah, honest. yeah, we, we, guys, uh, we we are joined today by Jamie Frew from uh, Hell, <laughs> oh, uh, Hellfire do Games. You know, do you know what? I totally understand what that guy Lud was on about with technology. <laughs> <laughs> but if it weren't for technology, Ben. How would how would our good listeners uh, get to enjoy our dulcet tones? Yeah, I, I hate it just now, but yeah, yeah I'll come uh, back around. We, we we have to give Jamie uh, an extra big thank you, not only for coming on the show, but for persevering with us through our technical difficulties. But I think we I think we've got there now, uh, unless un- unless it all goes quiet on Jamie's end right now. Well, fingers crossed it doesn't. No. <laughs> I'm just, just delighted to be. Yeah. <laughs> Be honest. Uh, how how much of you uh, how much of you was tempted to just stay silent for a good minute before responding to that? Oh, like nothing else. Like nothing <laughs> at all. Um, if I was honest, what I was really tempted to do was just put my baby daughter on here and just just see if she could handle it when we got the technical difficulties sorted. <laughs> yeah. We make a, a different interview. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. Definitely. So, um, Jamie has uh, come on today's show uh, to talk about, uh, well, the first game that you are uh, designing and publishing. It's not your, not your first uh, actual game that you've designed. Uh, the old Hellfire Club, is that right? That is absolutely right. So this is the, the first time that I've got a product that I am ready to show to the rest of the world. We launched at um, the UK Games Expo and... Come April next year, uh, you will all be able to enjoy the fantastic adventures of the old Hellfire Club, uh, which is a storytelling game of of drink, of daring, and of rubber ducks. And I'm so excited to be able to put it out there for you all. I do need to share the rubber duck-related story that we had from the game the other <laughs> night, actually. But Ben, we, we were talking before we started recording about that, yeah. how the Hellfire Club was actually a real thing. It was... Yeah, I I did a little bit of research because from time to time I'm professional in my approach to these things. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll admit I'm that. Not yeah. uh, no comment. Um, but um, yeah, Jamie, um, it, it turns out that the the Hellfire Club was a very real thing once upon a time. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what that was? Yeah, absolutely. So the Hellfire Club was, I think it was a Regency secret society uh, for, for, for for royals, for nobles, aristocrats, basically. And what they did would meet up and do whatever they could that they thought was in as bad a taste as possible, as immoral as possible, um, and then basically turned that into the theme for a drinking society. Um, so it was basically <laughs> orgies, it was black masses, um, it was anything that you could think of um, done with as many drinks as they possibly could have. Uh, and I thought, what a better theme for a game could you possibly have? Yeah, um, and so I, I took that. And said, "Well, what would happen in in twenty years down the line when they are washed up old drunks, re- reminiscing about their adventures, um, but no one can remember what really happened?" Uh, so that is that's that's the old Hellfire Club. I can think of no theme more wholesome for a game than <laughs> organised alcoholism for rich people. I have to say, the old the the, the actual Hellfire Club just sounds it, it sounds a bit like the Freemasons, but a lot more fun. 
Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so just briefly explain to our listeners how exactly does one play the old Hellfire Club? Okay, so it is ludicrously simple. In fact, we've managed to fit the um, the rules for the whole game onto three playing cards. Mm-hmm. Um, you get de- um, dealt a um, a hand of of um, what are called boast cards, and they're basically little plot elements um, that you can weave into your story. And some of them are, are sort of more mundane things. There's some that there are objects um, and there are places, um, but there are also things like insults and weapons and motives and servants. We've got a whole suit just dedicated towards tea time, um, so you can have a little break in the middle of your adventure and just mm-hmm. have. Um, a, a wee dram or a cucumber sandwich um, and so these are all ranked um, from one to ten um, and basically what you're trying to do is play as high value card as you possibly can which are the more impressive things the Buckingham Palaces the Queen Victoria's mm-hmm. um, but if at any time anyone else around the table is holding a card from the same suit but that is of a lower value they can undercut you and say, I'm sorry, no, that didn't happen. This pathetic thing happened instead. You are a liar, sir. You are a bounder and a cad. And I'm taking all of your points. And more importantly, I'm taking all of the pennies that you've got that you were going to spend on gin instead. And at yes. the end of the story, um, whoever at the end of the story, whoever's got the most pennies for gin is the winner. Nice. In the Pro- game and in real life as well. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. <laughs> Um, but yes, one of my favourite things is actually just going. Someone, it, oh yes, it was at Buckingham Palace. No, no, it wasn't. It was Big, Billings and Fish Market yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I think when when we came along to your stand at UK Games Expo, I distinctly remember Charlotte was mid game with you, and I think she <laughs> she was beating Emily Bronte to death with a hammer or something like that in the story. And in just the game we played the other night, um, there was a character who had attempted to assassinate Karl Marx by strapping a stick of dynamite to a rubber duck and floating it down the Thames <laughs> towards <laughs> towards Karl. But you must, you, you, while you were developing and testing this game, you you must have dozens of different, you know, eccentric stories. Do you, do you have any particular favourite that stands out to you? Oh, absolutely. Um, the one um, that that I always will always remember uh, is that we were in a restaurant celebrating getting partway through our plan um, when in burst uh, Karl Marx, um, only to reveal that he wasn't in fact Karl Marx at all, but was um, William Gladstone wearing a Karl Marx uh, mask. Um, <laughs> only to discover that he wasn't William Gladstone at all. He was Karl Marx wearing a William Gladstone mask underneath his Karl Marx mask. Um, And then he said, sorry, I don't have anything to tell you, and just ran off. Brilliant. (laughs) It sounds like the end of an episode of Scooby-Doo when they're pulling all the masks (laughs) off. At the end of it all, everything just feels totally futile. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you you meant... You mentioned that um, the Kickstarter is going live in April next year. Now, um, what what needs to happen then between between uh, this recording then and going live with Kickstarter? What's left to do? Um, well, to be honest, the game is actually in a, a pretty much final state. I'm redoing all the graphics uh, to make sure that it's as pretty as it possibly can be. I and mean, we're using original 
incredible uh, 19th century art at the moment. So it looks absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just want to make sure that that is is, is absolutely top notch. Uh, but I'm very well aware that this is my first Kickstarter, and I've seen enough. Uh, fail in my time so the vast majority of the work is going into things like logistics and manufacturing i now know more about weights of cardboard than i ever wanted to know um but i am making sure that there is absolutely that this is all in place when the kickstarter ends that we can just get going um once we finish the kickstarter then comes the fantastic process of getting all of the custom art because we want to have as many people as possible who've backed us um, actually being on the cards. So uh, there, will be, there will be a little bit more work to do once we're finished, uh, but it will come up as an absolutely gorgeous game. Excellent. So, so is that one of the stretch, uh, uh, or uh, rather an additional pledge that you can make to get to get your likeness printed onto a card? Then is that the plan? Absolutely. Not just your likeness on the card, but you will be painted as a Victorian drunk. Um, as if you want to be a patron or you can be one of the benefactors who are these secret crowned heads of Europe who for no good reason have decided to hold their annual plotting meeting in a London gin shop Um, and you can be one of them and that would actually get you something else as well but I'm going to hold on for that for a moment because that is something truly special Excellent, now we'll look forward to hearing from that Which benefactor do you think you would like to be the the likeness have your likeness Ben? Mine? Oh, I think the insult benefactor. (laughs) (laughs) That's my jam. Yeah, yeah. I feel, yeah, you're quite qualified. I I think think. so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I picture me being the tea time benefactor. Because you're a pie. (laughs) Demonstrating exactly why you're the insult benefactor right there. Oh dear. So, um, what, what what was the idea behind uh, coming up with the, the mechanics of the game? Then you, you've you've talked about sort of the historical inspiration of it, but uh, what what gave you the idea in the first place to to make the old Hellfire Club? I think the thing with me is is that I I love games that can evoke a really strong feeling in me. Um, and the, there are loads of games out there that that, that do an absolutely fantastic job. Um, so but I wanted to try and find something that was really unusual that I hadn't seen done well before. Uh, and I was thinking, what's the best feeling uh, that I can can possibly think of that's, that's competitive? And I thought, it's winning a pub argument. <laughs> that, <laughs> that moment when someone says, no, you're absolutely wrong about this, and you say, no. <laughs> and then someone gets out their phone and you are right. You are a hundred percent dead right about whatever you said. That is the feeling that I wanted to get into a game, and I think, I think the old Fail Fire Club does it, but it adds adventure as well. You're right. One of the most satisfying moments in everyday life when you uh, when you you just get to prove someone wrong in a pub, a very public arena. <laughs> so. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It's, it's just, you don't just have the satisfaction of being right; it's the ritual humiliation, isn't it? Aye, because you so could it's just been able to lean back in your chair, and so, um, <laughs> it's just looking over the top of that glass. <laughs> <laughs> I I like the sort of um, I've, I, I I tend to put my hands behind my back, like stretch and lean back, oh, and you just go, nice. "Well, <laughs> what do you what do you know about that?" that? <laughs> 
and then proceed to bring it up at every single opportunity for ooh a good month. Yeah. <laughs> a good month. <laughs> I I don't um I don't dredge up uh, times where I've got one over on you at, at all. Not at I? all. Not at all. No. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Sorry, first place. <laughs> Shut. Uh. <laughs> See, this was uh, UK Games Expo. He he did better than me at the Shade Spy tournament, and gets brought up every every now and then. Yeah, every now and then. How so? Fair UK right. Games Expo is where you uh, launched uh, launched the old Hellfire Club. How how did the how was that experience for you guys? How did that all go? Oh, that was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, we turned up. That was my first con of any sort. Oh, wow. um, so I had no idea what to. Um, um but i just thought well let's let's just do it what's what's the worst that can happen and it was amazing we uh we spent the saturday having queues for people to get to our table uh to play test um and it, we just felt so sorry for the people on either side of us <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry people people liked it um uh, which was brilliant <laughs> Yeah, it must be very reassuring, and I think I think you're wise to uh, leave launching it to Kickstarter for for a little while because one one of the mistakes that we notice is people will launch their Kickstarter and then they won't bother with any of the sort of media or you know promotion of it until the campaign actually starts. Whereas what you're doing now is laying the groundwork, gonna make sure as many people get an opportunity to play it. Uh, before you launch the campaign, and then you know, by hopefully by April, you'll have created enough of a buzz already that it's just a, ma- a, ma- a matter of maintaining that yeah. uh, went throughout the campaign. It's the it's the weird thing about launching any project, not just in the, mm. the Kickstarter market, isn't it? Is is not enough to have a really good game because the fact of the matter is that there are abysmal games out there that have millions thrown at them mm-hmm. um, and there are a lot of good games that don't get anywhere near the, the acclaim that they should just because um, they, they've not been promoted right or there's just n- not been quite enough money thrown at them uh, in terms of PR mm-hmm. totally totally and it's just for a, a new starter. It's so hard to work out what the right way of doing these things are. Is so we get um, Twitter and Facebook and so on all saying, "Give us X number of pounds, and we will show these number of people uh, about your product." But you've got no idea who these people are going to be. And all of these fake accounts. It's just a total nightmare. Um, so much. So the route that I'm, I'm going down is is organic growth and mm-hmm. so trying to get people to forward it on to people they know who might be interested. So anyone out there who likes the sound of this, please take a look um, and just share it with one person or two. Whatever, whatever you can do, that would be amazing. Absolutely, and we'll we'll keep our listeners updated as and when uh, the the Kickstarter launches. Uh, you mentioned obviously UK Games Expo was the first con that you took this to. Are you are you going to any other conventions uh, in the next few months? Then really hoping to, really really hoping to. Um, so it's got a couple penciled in, uh, hoping to make it to. Hoping to go to uh, Tabletop Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, hoping to go to Aircon, which will be just before we launch uh, next year. And excitingly, I haven't got not definitely sure about this, but uh, if it comes together, I will be 
more excited about this than possibly the entire campaign uh, is that uh, James Wallace, who designed Once Upon a Time, um, has asked whether we might want to meet up at Dragon Meet um, and and do something there. And that would be absolutely amazing because I love that game. You're, you're oh. a massive fan of uh, the, the storytelling games, aren't you, as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. Once Upon a Time as well being one of the more popular ones. Yeah. So. This is almost like meeting your famous, your favourite rock star. So. <laughs> Although a bit toned down. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I doubt, I doubt the creative once upon a time is going to be, you know, suggesting doing, 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 doing lines of coke in the dressing room or something like that. But on the subject of of James Wallace and Once Upon a Time, in, including him, in in this next question, obviously. Who and what would you say is your influences as a designer? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, well, specifically on the old health card, there is no denying uh, that James Wallace and Once Upon a Time was a big, big influence. Um, but I'd say wider than that, I've got a, a, a hugely broad um, in preference for um, for games. Uh, personally, I would say that if you put something with a a map on it, then that makes me very happy indeed. Um, <laughs> I own embarrassingly more copies of Risk and Diplomacy um, than I care to admit. Um, but if they will keep printing new variants, then I will keep feeling a little bit obsessive about owning all of them. Yep. Um, so that will be going on. Um, personal favourite is I like anything that people can inject their own personality into and get a, a a feel for for what they would do under the circumstances um so although it's 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 not a great game i absolutely adore uh, betrayal at house on the hill uh, just for the, the the sheer amount of creativity that can people can inject into it mm-hmm. and i cannot wait uh, for the legacy version to come out that i is... love that game yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, but as just soon as you friends. mentioned that, me and Josh looked at each other. <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, betrayal's fantastic. It, it, it's it, like uh, maybe technically not like a, the perfect game, but I've had so much fun playing that. But just that's the, the thing: the, it, the stupid situations that arise from that game. <laughs> it's it's just the feeling. I sit there throughout the whole. of the beginning bit and we're just moving people a couple of squares at a time and I'm just sitting there thinking I want to be the, the traitor, I want to be the traitor <laughs> We we played a game recently um, where it was Josh, myself uh, my wife Charlotte and Lanky Santa Callum, AKA Callum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was the four of us and it was the alien virus it was the, their, their 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 version of Day of the Triffids, basically. Yeah, so it's one of these ones where you know how well. Obviously, you've you've played um, Betrayal, Jamie. Um, yeah, yeah. Normally, something happens and the traitor is allocated, and, and everyone knows. And then you split into your two respective teams. But in the Alien Virus one. Um, what happens is you shuffle a bunch of tokens together and you draw two and then you secretly look at them and there's a chance that one of them is the infected token mm-hmm. and it's during the haunt the infection can spread. So you know immediately 
that someone is infected, but you don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. So Josh and myself quickly established that neither of us were infected. So we are down in the basement, in the lab, researching a cure. and Like you do. Yeah. And, and Charlotte and Callum are upstairs gathering all the ingredients that we need for it. Mm-hmm. And then the two of them come downstairs to the corridor. Mm-hmm. And you've got a gun, haven't you? You had yeah, a gun. I had a gun. So I was I was playing one of the twelve year old boys you were and 12 for some year reason old. they they gave him a revolver. But that's what's hilarious because you were the twelve year old boy and I was the old scientist. So it's like we were Rick and Morty down yeah. in the lab. <laughs> and so they come to the, the corridor just in front of the lab and then Josh pulls the gun and goes, Don't move. Mm-hmm. And then, and the, the, this is the, like you were saying about the personalities coming out in the game, Jamie, um, where I said to Charlotte and Callum, slide the bag over to us. <laughs> <laughs> and then Charlotte did what she was asked, and then Callum went, right, I'm going to punch Charlotte. And just with that, with that standoff, we were able to establish who everyone was. It was brilliant, yeah. very like very cinematic, yeah. As well, you can picture in your mind's eye exactly what's going on with that. Brilliant, yeah. just brilliant. No, we're we're really looking forward to the legacy version of oh, yeah. that as well. You mentioned Risk earlier. Actually, did you did you play through uh, Risk Legacy? Oh, you see, this is the thing. I was everybody seems to love Pandemic Legacy. As far as I'm concerned, Risk Legacy is the best game of all time. It was well, just a masterpiece of 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 of, of feeling. That first yeah. time that you were able to open up a, an envelope, and then the big secret, which I won't spoil in case anyone hasn't found it. We we haven't played it. We're, we're actually. But th- this through- is the thing, right? Mm. Is that. As you say, Jamie, everyone talks about Pandemic Legacy, but Risk Legacy was the first Legacy game, wasn't it? Well, it's uh, the yeah. um, one half of the Pandemic Legacy design team, isn't it? Yeah. It was, um, forgive me. Rob DeVoe. Ma- Rob DeVoe, yeah. Rob DeVoe did Risk Legacy, didn't he? So, and, yes. you know, if you if if you absolutely love the Risk games as well, then <laughs> it's clearly going to be a winner for you. Um, what, what else have you been playing lately? Oh, at the moment, I um, this is going to get a little bit bit samey, but I I've been trying to work my way through uh, both Pandemic Legacy Season Two and Seafall, which we still haven't finished. Uh, again, we've I've got a, a group who um, who are probably not as obsessive as me, but I I do tend to railroad them a little bit. I'm embarrassed <laughs> to say. But after a year and a half, we are still playing Seafall, and we just want it to end. We've we've actually got that on our to do list as well, Seafall, haven't we? It's crashed in price because it's it's had less than favourable reviews. I mean, not that that's going to deter me from trying it, but I mean, what are your feelings on it, Jamie? If I'm honest, I would say that it would have been a better game if it weren't Legacy. If they just put it in at as at the end. Um, in an end state because I actually really enjoy the mechanics of the game um, and, and building up my little little empire and and and, buy, and buildings and buying stuff and and so on and everyone's it's it, it has a huge amount of choice that people can can take but it they're just dragging out little bits and pieces of plot which aren't in my opinion actually that exciting 
I, I think I think that was a mistake, unfortunately. Yeah. Do you think maybe this is a because we I've, you can notice this looking back through the history of games that you know a very popular mechanic or theme will come about and then everyone jumps on the bandwagon you know like much with magic the gathering and trading card games in the 90s do you think we're in the legacy game uh era where everyone's just you know turning things into a legacy game for the sake of it and maybe it's not the best decision to do I really hope we're not, because I, I absolutely adore the, the idea of legacy, and I think it's the, the couple of times that it's been implemented fantastically have, have just been some of the best gaming moments I've ever had. I hope that it's just, that it's the case that, mm-hmm. that legacy games take such a lot of, um, of investment and time to make um, that it will stop the market becoming saturated, because I think that's the really big risk. Um, so that, that that we'll have enough good games that it'll stay on as a as a mechanic, but who knows? Yeah. I suppose the one of the arguments to what you were saying about the um, the the big wave of collectible card games in the nineties and possibly the games industry seeking to emulate that with legacy games. Uh, collectible card games are a lot more marketable than That's legacy true. games. Mm, yeah. So it's it's an interesting one, but I suppose at the same time, legacy games are marketable in a different way because mm. once you've played it, it's done, isn't it? I mean, I, it, this isn't just me who's noticed it. Though you know, there are a lot of legacy variants just starting to hit the shelves now as well. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see how it pans out. Anyway, I mean, the, Betrayal at the House of the Hill. In terms of theme alone, I think warrants a legacy version of that. That that in my head seems to work, but my concern would be is, I mean, are we going to see Munchkin Legacy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, no, no, no. Fair question. It's <laughs> it's it's only a matter of time. <laughs> ah, righty, yo. Speaking of which, I think uh, I think that's everything uh, we've got time for. So, look, Jamie, before we go, um, just remind our good listeners, if they want to find out more about the old Hellfire Club ahead of the Kickstarter in April, where can they go to find out more? Okay, so you can find us on Facebook. Um, just type in the old Hellfire Club um, in the search and you'll get it. And on Twitter and Instagram, we are at old Hellfire. Uh, but the one thing that I'd really suggest they do um, is go to our Board Game Geek page because tomorrow uh, we are launching the print and play free demo, which will give you half of all of the cards. It'll give you 30 minutes um, playtime, totally free. Um, and unlucky frog listeners are getting it a day early. So um, go find it now. And, there we uh, go. Yep. There we go. Well, Don't how's say we're that not for good a deal? to you. I'll still complain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, that's great. Jamie, thank you so much once again for, for coming on the show. Guys, Thank you very much for listening. You take care, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye, all. Hi, guys. It's uh, Josh from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast here. Thanks for listening to us. And now, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for the Unlucky Frog Gaming. Uh, You can also show your support for Unlucky Frog through Patreon. Be sure to check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com, to find out more.
Was that so hard? <laughs> I'm, look. <laughs>